It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we're going to go beyond, one step beyond today, possibly very psychedelically, uh, with the sacred mushroom. This is Matt here coming back. First time for One Step Beyond is uh, from Roddenberry Entertainment's Mission Log. It's John Champion. Howdy. Hey. Hey. Good. I, I thought uh, the sacred mushroom, I thought that was my nickname uh, for this show. I Yeah. Oh, sorry. Joining us from Redbury <laughs> Entertainment's Mission Log is the Sacred Mushroom. The Sacred himself. Mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What have you gotten me into? Yeah, I want to get in some weird nicknames. That sounds like fun. <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not? Um, as, as I'm on this little detour on a show that everyone's heard of, but nobody's watched, it seems, uh, unless you're going to counter that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I had never heard of this show. And I consider my, you know, my knowledge of weird and esoteric TV and pop culture pretty good. Uh, I'm I'm not a scholar by any means, but you know, I, I watch a lot of stuff and will read up on a lot of stuff that is just sort of outside of, you know, certainly certainly stuff from before I was born. Uh, so if it's weird TV, I try to know it. And this show, I I have to hand it to you. You present me with a show that I had never heard of. And good for you picking this weird episode, a little scene episode of this weird show. So bravo to you. Well, uh, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to have to uh, give the the blame, the credit, uh, the credit for that to, um, you know, Amazon, because I literally learned about it with uh, you. Probably when I bought the Twilight Zone set, you may. Oh, also there you like. go. You may also like. Yeah, so, these, um, these fit together well like that. And I would have bought it, except uh, this show is public domain and the sets are poor quality, as most of the YouTube ones, unfortunately, aren't, in- including this one. Uh, and right, Spotty, right. It's, apparently you cannot find a set of this that has like everything. So Interesting. Huh. Yeah, which is one of the reasons I'm doing it right now. But yeah, uh, it yeah. started six months or seven months before the Twilight Zone. So it just got the drop on it, but uh, wow. obviously does not have the... The iconic status and yeah it, interesting that this one came out before because they it, it feels like the competitor show to the twilight zone because i've watched a little bit of you know this episode today is very different in format but i've watched some of the others and it it seems like somebody at the studio is like quick get us a thing to compete with the twilight zone <laughs> but uh but the, this is not that uh but and produced by mgm who produced uh twilight zone anyway yeah i guess they were just feeling yeah. this vibe it's kind of um it's like the streaming thing where you'll have like some exec who's really into a certain thing they leave someone else comes in and the, and the popular show just gets axed because you know, it's someone right. else's tastes now. So right, right. Well, and it also it, it speaks to another thing where you know there are a lot of shows that come out 
at a certain time that feel similar to each other. And it's not necessarily because, you know, executives are stealing the ideas from somebody, although that happens too, but certain ideas just sort of all happen at the same time anyway. Writers get influenced by similar things happening in the popular culture. They're reading the same books. And then it's not unlikely that, you know, a, a dozen, half dozen writer producers, have, oh, I have this idea for a show and it goes like this and we're going to explore these kind of weird, mysterious, ultra stories. And sure, you know, Rod Serling can do it. And so apparently can, uh, what's his name? John Newland. Yeah, yeah. Of course, <laughs> yeah. this one is uh, supposed to be based on on real life events, which is a, a mm -hmm. major difference from the Twilight Zone. And I don't know, it right. gives it, it gives it that crystal Pepsi flavor, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. But it, it, it's nice. I, and, and I like, I, I assume, again, th this episode is a bit different, but I assume obviously there's a bit of... Uh, artistic license taken with <laughs> some of the other stories that they tell yeah a few weeks ago we did the navigator i'm sure they had no clue what actually happened on a um 19th century merchant ship you know exactly but that was <laughs> a good got... episode that that's one that i watched yeah yeah that's one i've been recommending to people mostly because it looks good on youtube i'm not quite sure how that looks great ended up looking better than the rest but uh yeah yeah, yeah but that great. seems to have come from a source print where eh, the sacred mushroom. Well, again, it almost doesn't matter with this one because of the weird kind of a documentary vibe of it. It's you know, right. it's, it's like finding some weird piece of treasure in the dumpster behind the studio. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Let me do just a spot of the trivia. Not not too much yeah. since we don't have you know writers and actors for this one. But uh, yeah. Original air date was January 24th, 1961. As with all One Step Beyond episodes, this one was directed by John Newland. Uh, it does have writing credits from from the regular gang, the people who uh, there's a trio of writer whose whose names I keep seeing, but I think that's just IMDb like robo assigning writers. I'm, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm not yeah, going to get into be. that. But yeah, this episode does break with One Step Beyond's dramatized anthology series format and is more of a documentary. Newland, Newland and his crew traveled to Mexico, ate some mushrooms, returned to California for another more controlled session and put it on film. Though Newland cited this as the most popular episode of the series, it was generally left out of syndication runs and rarely broadcast. And yes, that is absolutely because of this episode's uh, subject matter <laughs> in such a weird time and place for it, which I, I guess will well, maybe not place, but weird time. So we'll, we'll get yeah. to that a little yeah. more. But first, uh, of course, Newland just this doesn't have a prologue so much as he just narrates over the whole thing. But I, I, I seem, you know, to find a good cutting point and. Uh, you can read this any way you want, because as I, I keep telling the guests, uh, I don't think anyone will recognize a John Newland impression. <laughs> I, no, no. And actually, I think John Newland is a very good host. He's not as interesting as Rod Sterling, uh, but I think he's a very good host. Uh, but here we go. Me not doing a John Newland impression. This member of the mushroom family, this fungus, is known for the moment only as X. It was discovered barely weeks ago, growing in a remote rainforest. Science has not yet given it a name, for science knows scarcely anything about it. 
But it is felt that X might have one remarkable quality, that it stimulates extrasensory perception, enabling the mind to become telepathic and clairvoyant. Now, that's a rather large claim. Is it true or false? The answer to that question took us on a unique and distant journey. All right. A journey from Los Angeles to Mexico. I mean, I guess it takes a while. I mean, yeah, uh, <laughs> it does. It could it be does. more distance, I guess, is my point. But yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? I don't I don't yeah. remember what part of Mexico they went to. If it was south, it was definitely a long journey. So, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. How long does it take? Uh, I mean, I've driven uh, from here to uh, Baja in like three hours. Oh, okay. That's not you bad. Know. Oh, so San yeah. Diego is really close. I was thinking it was like three hours from San Diego. So, but... oh no, 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 San Diego is like right on. T- it takes you know the longest bit of the trip is to get to San Diego. Now coming back is terrible because crossing the border, coming back from Mexico, that will take you all day long. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's a nice little trip, you know. Yeah, and then I I've taken many uh, many a cruise ship into parts of Mexico. Um, but never really spent a huge amount of time in any one place. I'd like to. I, I kind of thought about one day if I felt like being a little more daring on a road trip, like drive to Mexicali and then drive to Mexico City and actually check out Mexico City. He's a pyramid, yeah. Yeah, um, I want to do the whole it, thing. Yeah. Is it the local shaman? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But you have to take the uh, the extra side trip for that. That that's what was interesting was you know they get to their one place, they have their guide, they, they go off. But but even before we get to that, um, just from a technical standpoint, it was very interesting to me that there are there are a couple of moments in here where you hear the natural audio from them in their experience in this little village, but all the stuff in the lead up. They're in Mexico, and I think all of that was dubbed, and it's just a ton, a lot of footage of people standing, you know, sometimes like a three or a four shot of just them standing there with the host as the host, John Newland, is explaining everything to you, and um, clearly shot on location, but all the audio is really clean. It was a little too clean. And I was just like, wow, th- this is a ton of footage with no cutaways for this to just be a bunch of ADR. Uh, but they did it. It, it, it was, yeah, it, it was an odd choice. Well, my my note is just, oh, this is back when live sound recording was hot garbage. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, there is yeah, a part where, like, Here, where he does say, here is the actual audio. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you can really tell the difference. Um but it's kind of a commitment to go there because you could have just done a bunch of cuts. You could have just and, and just do it with narration. But no, no, no. They committed to this idea of actually seeing the host and all these other people talking. And that's an awful lot of uh, dubbing time. <laughs> well, yeah. Put some production to your episodes. But uh, I guess yeah. it helps when the presenter is also the director. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do whatever he wants. Yeah. Kind of his baby. Yeah. One one thing I found interesting, I guess, is the timing of the episode, because this is kind of a Carlos Castaneda trip a few years before that book came out, I believe. Uh, the Teachings of Don Juan, is that the first one? I, I don't remember. I actually have read it, but it's been a while. Um, 
So it's before that. I feel like by 1965, the question would have been like, let's go on a spiritual spiritual journey or let's do like self-actualization. Whereas in this episode, it's like, can I develop psychic powers? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what's so interesting about this uh, episode being from early 1961, shot sometime in 1960, is that this is before the counterculture youth revolution. This is before drug culture becomes part of the pop culture. It's before you know LSD and magic mushrooms and and weed became just part of the way we talked about pop culture. Like you know the the Beatles and every big band that came after their you know very public experimentation. So that it, like it was just sort of accepted this is primetime tv with this very straight laced host and uh the people around him doing this deep dive and it, and it made me think about like you know how at one time um uh carrie grant talked a lot about doing uh lsd therapy and um and it, it was under the sort of controlled clinical psychiatric uh context but it was just like a thing that he did in in the context of psychotherapy. And it wasn't connected to youth culture, hippie movement, drug culture, any of that. And here's the show that comes along that's doing, you know, magic mushrooms and and these trips before really any of that is uh, is the sort of understood as uh as pop culture it was wild well keep in mind it was x at the time uh so yep. you yep. know which i don't know they could they could have left that name on it uh then twitter <laughs> would still be twitter uh yeah you know, <laughs> x would have a different connotation well yeah i just yep. uh, picked up the uh the the xtc cds uh from from the other house so you know one of those nice. cases where, where the band gets intertwined with the substance now yeah <laughs> i'm into yep. xtc really <laughs> what <Which laughs> do you mean <laughs> weirdly my daughter wanted to hear them she found my dukes of stratosphere cd and, and noticed it said xtc and now she wants to hear oh, xtc wow. so yeah yeah okay cool, 14 cool. year old japanese girl listening to xtc is a very strange thing it's great man it's great <laughs> you can do that though um <laughs> But I don't know. It is. I guess the the goal is. I don't. It's it's not like John Newland's like a megalo maniacal you know Bond villain where he's like, oh, I want to gain psychic powers, right? It's just like, hey, let's see no, what happens, no. which is also an interesting take here. Like, what yeah. what is he planning to do with that? I guess just make a TV show is his end goal. So, <laughs> I guess so. And 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 you know, again, it, it it speaks to you know this being a new drug. It speaks to this being. Um, you, you, you know, uh, prior to recreational drug use being uh, a, as popular as it was, not to say that people didn't take drugs before, of course they did. Um, but this is this odd thing where where you've got this guy hosting a primetime TV show. And instead of the question being like, will this get me high? <laughs> the question is, will I get powers from it? And can we scientifically verify that? So context is everything. 
Yeah, the scenes where he's tripping. I mean, you could tell he's a little weird, but that's not really the focus. It's not like, oh, that no. dude's out there. It's like, oh, does he have psychic powers? Can he right. read the picture with his fingers now? You know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and, and and those scenes are a bit intense, like because you're in this little room and he's he's got the blindfold and it just it it feels like. Oh man, it it it's sweaty in there. The tensions are high. How's he gonna do? <laughs> they 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 ratchet up that tension a bit in those scenes. But you know, I I like now living living in Japan. I'm I'm not finding substances and stuff. But you know, I'm not, you know I'm usually looking for ways to you know uh, reprogram my brain in fun ways. You know, so mm-hmm. um, what one thing I do have is a mind machine. Are you familiar with this? No. What, oh, what hold on. It? I grab it's on the other okay. side of the room. All right dying to see it looks like uh like a, a walkman with a set of glasses so what? oh what wait is, i think i've heard about this one of these guys yeah yeah it's, it's got a set of led okay. lights yeah yeah yeah, yeah close yeah, your yeah. eyes and, and you flash and yeah you do start seeing like geometric patterns and stuff like properly you know that's so, cool that sounds fun yeah, it's fun. Uh, it's not. It's not an e meter. We know that. Right. Right. It's, no, okay. It's, it's, it's not. Okay. It's, it's not trying to rate anything. It, it is supposed to be a meditation machine. Um, if the ads are lying, it's like, oh, this will give you like, you know, like thirty years like meditating like a Tibetan monk. No, it won't. Yeah, but you will. No, no, but, no, 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 no. But it will give you uh, trippy visuals behind your eyelids, which is is fun, and it has uh, the cool. binaural beats in the in the headphones. So yeah, which uh, which you've been producing, right? That might be where I yeah. like, started to get into that thing. Uh, have you tried to do? Have you matched up your own binaural beats with the uh, with with the the glasses? Yes, but I tend to use the ones on the machine because. Uh, it's synced with the with the lights got it yeah <laughs> which is kind of fun yeah. so i'm more sense. likely to play different music over it that's maybe not you know binaural but yeah you can choose the program there's relaxing ones where it's like very slowly shifting you can choose a crazy one where you're going to see like different insane patterns every two seconds uh, that sort of thing so right right but again that that's my goal that's not the goal of uh for the sacred mushroom it's like can i read your mind which i have zero interest in i i don't think i'd like to read people's minds you know <laughs> no no that would be but uh, again you know think about the context think about the time this is when i i that sort of thing has always been interesting um but we also had you know government programs trying to explore like can can we think of psychic powers as something that we have in our arsenal? Can can we have you know, uh, uh, you know, projected mind reading at a distance so we can see what those Soviet communists are doing? Uh, so you know, money's going into this, and, and this is a, a legitimate area of research, quote unquote legitimate. <laughs> you know, is getting the attention because it's kind of new. Yeah for sure i do want to talk a little bit about the uh the documentary aspect of this uh one of the clips i sent you before was louis benwell's land without bread i don't remember what the title is in spanish or french but yeah where he went to a village and you know in the mountains of spain shot a bunch of actual documentary footage and and proceeded to write lies for everything you're seeing and make it as horrible as possible and when they go into the you know more rural parts of mexico i felt that vibe a little bit 
Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. There is a bit of that. There, there is a bit of the uh, the othering of that area, and uh, uh, I, I guess the exoticism of taking cameras into this place that most people don't get to see. Now, the the thing about um, the movie that you shared with me that that documentary, Land Without Bread reading a little more like apparently there were some you know truly disturbing and problematic things happening there and because they were so isolated in that village yeah the, there are things that by by most standards of measure we would look at and go ooh, like uh, maybe they would do well with some better standards of education and medical care <laughs> you know like yeah. that's uh, you know that that's not in question um but but definitely there is an exoticism to this and, and I, I look at the time it's 1960 and there we we are advanced enough and taking cameras to enough places that you can kind of share the world with the tv audience and at the same time it's like you're trying to find what is that next place that has never been discovered and put on camera and shared to you know a suburban audience sitting at home um watching tv so i I, wrote, I, I, uh, I i get the inspiration but it also you need to treat that with a very delicate hand yeah i wrote down john newland's uh cringe line in this one uh right after they introduced the translator he says this is the only man in the world who speaks their language I'm like what about the villagers <laughs> yeah right 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 <laughs> they speak it um yeah clearly i was going to point out one more documentary that does it better although it is incomplete which is uh the time that uh sergey eisenstein went to hollywood for a bit the soviet union and decided to loan him out for a bit for whatever reason and he uh -huh. did a bunch of footage for uh k viva mexico which is i mean think about something like alexander nevsky or ivan terrible but in mexican documentary form that's what you get you know that high contrast yeah. lots of shadows very cool movie that's another one i might watch turn off the sound and you know play some music over so nice nice yeah <laughs> uh, so that, that's another recommendation as i was searching the title it is on youtube so <laughs> very cool. everything's everything's on youtube i guess if they if they yeah, you yeah. know a conglomerate hasn't snatched up the rights as hard as they can. And some of those are still on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Good. Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, there were, of course, the two sessions. There was the in the field, just like, let's see what happens. Yeah. And then there was like kind of the controlled one, which I thought, despite this being kind of like, you know, just a network 1960 TV show, that was that's an interesting, at least a um, turn of the head to the scientific method as we try to dazzle you with these weird substances yeah I, it, it's not terrible in their respect that again you, you have to legitimize basically uh we're gonna go to mexico and buy drugs <laughs> and then um and then come back and uh try them and put this on tv so we we need to legitimize that first of all but then in the interest of showing an audience at least a very rudimentary idea of a scientifically controlled experience or experiment rather both both of those words apply um 
I, I, I have to hand it to him. Like, like at least it's leading the audience in the right direction instead of just getting a completely anecdotal, like, well, they went to Mexico and I tried the magic mushrooms and here's how I felt. You can actually give it a little bit of, uh, a little bit of context and a little bit of, um, uh, qualitative analysis. Yeah, I mean, because 60 years down the line, it's like, hey, man, I'm going to like an ayahuasca retreat in Costa Rica or, or something, you know, which I don't know that. Right. Well, that that one doesn't appeal to me at all because apparently it involves vomiting and pooping. And, um, yeah, I don't want any part of that. that, that yeah. Kind of, I mean, I'm, maybe it's cool, but that really turns me off. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't like that idea. <laughs> and then, oh, oh and you, what, you, you, you see lots of snakes. I'm not into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want that either. Yeah. That's one thing I agree with Indiana Jones about. <laughs> yeah. Can I just go and have tiki drinks and call it a day? Yeah. Yeah. The most fun was um for snake fear was uh, it's about 10 years ago. I'm taking care of my daughter at the, the countryside house, the other house I was mentioning. And uh-huh. there's like snakes in the gutters. And I'm like inside, like at the closed window, like, ah, my, my father-in-law is getting them out with <laughs> oh, a broom handle, you know? <laughs> no, thank you, man. Snakes in the gutters. I'm not staying there ever again. No. Oh, yes, you would. It's a, it's a super nice 100-year-old traditional Japanese house. <laughs> okay. Well, that sounds cool. But uh, yeah. Oh, Four big tatami room. Can't, you, can't, you can't throw that out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have windows if it's uh, completely traditional, but yeah. Uh, it, is a, it is also right. a somewhat modern house. What was it? It didn't have proper plumbing until like 2008. So that was kind of... Wow. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. My um, friend, one of my friends that visited was a you know, schooled as an archaeologist and he found like a stone. He's like, oh, geez, this is like a Edo, you know, 300 year ago, uh, basically corn or rice milling bowl. So that's just yeah. sitting by the wow. side of the house. So cool stuff. Then <laughs> 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 that thing in 1960, yeah. So John Newland could have bumped up there and been like, I'm lost in, in the wild. See, absolutely you could. Yeah. If there's only one, the show had gone on more than two, more than three seasons, you know. There's one um, Steve Martin sketch I love. This is from his special comedy is not pretty, which I probably oh, sure I taped that off TV when I was a kid, and I've probably seen that like fifty times. But it has him going through the jungle and you know running into like a bunch of like uh, hippies, like yeah, full on. <laughs> you know, the special's like 1983, and he's he's being very condescending, you know, like like right. <laughs> Uh, right. As in, kind of like a little, you know, like this is the only person who speaks your language, condescending sort of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, that, yeah, that's a fun one. Oh, I need to rewatch that. I see. I used to memorize all Steve Martin albums, but I, I forgot that he had the TV special. Well, he did a lot of TV stuff during the, the height of his stand-up career. Yeah, yeah. This is the one that was a uh, full, full um, sketch comedy one, and also uh, has our, our recently departed. Paul Rubens as a um, plutonium stealing terrorist. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. A little bit part there. Uh, Just uh, for my own amusement, I was thinking in the scene where they're doing the more scientific version i i would like to go back and just like replace the tester with with bill murray you know using ai or something <laughs> for that that opening uh yeah the ghostbusters moment is hard hard to yeah hard to not make that connection yeah right right um so ha- have you have you test your psychic skills you know uh i remember doing that in like grade school um you know, having those cards 
the that have the the shapes on them you know right. uh, i forget what you call those but everybody knows when they have like the star the square the wavy lines Bill you know, a whole... couple wavy lines yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so i remember doing that when i was in grade school and i don't but but I don't remember doing it under any kind of like really controlled atmosphere because um, I, I figured, you know, if it had been really remarkable, then somebody would have told me. <laughs> but <laughs> but as far as I know, uh, you, you know, it, it, nobody has truly like been off the scale uh, as far as those tests go. So, um, yeah, yeah. Not, not a high aspirating. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not like, uh, uh, you know, from Gary where no Lockwood. man has gone before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember exactly. the guy. Mitchell? Mitchell? Gary Mitchell? Gary Mitchell. Gary yeah, Mitchell. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dr. Dr. Elizabeth Daner. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I was, I was and, and by the way, Sally Kellerman, so that's where my brain goes, the actor, right, I guess. <laughs> right. But, and, and, and worth pointing out, worth pointing out that, you know, even in the best controlled scientific environments of of doing that kind of thing very famously if anybody out there uh looks up you know project alpha that was um banachek who at the time very young he's a mentalist magician performer um and and i think he's probably like in his 50s now or early 60s but at the time he was just this kid who was really really good at doing a mentalist act right and he got in touch with James Randi from the, the James Randi uh, Educational Foundation and said, hey, I, I'm good at these things. <laughs> if you, you know, I'd like to collaborate, uh, if you want to, you know, kind of put me to use. And Randi had this great idea of saying like, okay, look, I'm not going to train you because you already do these things well on your own. But there is a prestigious ESP test going on or being developed by some major institution why don't you go be a part of it and the whole gimmick was that randy and banachek knew that banachek was so good at doing his mentalist act that he could fool the experts and that was the whole thing he went in there and he, he participated in this test and fooled all the experts under these very rigorous clinical conditions. Like we're, you know, we're going to do this and this will be the ultimate test to see if ESP exists and we can't be fooled because we're scientists, damn it. And this kid goes in there and fools them all and then has to reveal at the end, like, yeah, your test is crap. <laughs> Here's how I beat it. <laughs> you know, uh, really interesting stuff. If you look up Project Alpha, and that that was a while back. I mean, that that was like forty years ago or something. Um, but give it a look if you're interested in in how these studies work, but then also how they can be gamed. Yeah, I, I've read a few books. I'm seeing here Steve, Steve Raiden maybe has written a few books on that topic. I, mm. I don't know if that's. I think Raiden's the name, at least the last name, at least. But yeah, he's yeah. done a few books yeah. and uh about that sort of thing uh he's definitely like on the uh you know the if not into the pseudoscience area on on the line but i like stuff on the line i think that's interesting (laughs) yeah (laughs) where it's like there is some science but it is pretty wacky and it's like you know it's interesting i don't want to be the person doing the research and make that my life but i'm certainly happy to read a book about it (laughs) sure yeah 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 uh things i have currently hold on i'm gonna grab my phone everything's on the other side of the room i should like think more about practicalities (laughs) but uh 
I downloaded a few years ago just for funsies. Uh, this is good for an elevator or something. My my phone here has a the ESP trainer. Which oh, is just, yeah. It looks like Simon, it's just four buttons and right. you, press, you press one. If you press the right one, it shows yeah. you a nice picture. Yeah. Oh, well, I got the oh. first one green. I've gotten, nice. I think I've gotten uh, 10 out of 24 trials, like once, right? You know, yeah. usually it's yeah. going to be statistically normal. Like you get four to six, which is about right, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, well, see, and, and that's the thing. It's like understanding the difference between you know, what would indicate an actual, uh, you know, uh, some movement on the needle here versus what is chance, uh, because there is a range statistically that you can't attribute to chance. And then what is just noise? What is just statistical noise that you actually have to accommodate for when you're designing a study? And again, always keeping in mind that a even a well-designed study might be gamed <laughs> so yeah, yeah i have my long-running undocumented trials going on uh with my teaching because ah uh, okay i do a game i often do a game it's a, you know like a very large tic-tac-toe you know like there's like 30 or 40 boxes so all the students get a chance to play and and just yeah. so just to leave put a little chance i'm like okay you can do the number of a dice roll right uh-huh so with that and card games, when I play with the kids, I'm usually like trying to lose, you know, especially the younger the student right. is, the harder I'm trying to lose. But I've built the game on chance. So I'm like kind of trying to mentally affect the results, you know, just like, yeah. oh, I really want this kid to win. Uh, sometimes when we're rolling the dice, every time the kid rolls the dice, I'll just shout out a number, you know? Yeah. Which, yeah. You know, of course, usually it's wrong, but I think it was two or three weeks ago. I got like six correct in a row and the kids' minds were just shattering. So again, what yeah. was I doing? A good mentalist act, you know? But <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, yep. card games. And you do start to wonder a little bit because those seem to be a little more like I can let the kids win. I'm like, I wonder if my hands are like unconsciously doing something when I shuffle the cards, you know, because I'm trying right. to lose. Sure, you know? sure, be, sure. I mean, if, if that's more impressive where we have like these under the, you know, under the hood mental processes that we don't notice. For example, right. when you start a sentence, you don't know how it's going to end, but you get there. <laughs> right, right. I was, as I was saying that sentence, I was saying, where is the sentence going? I don't know, but it got there. <laughs> <laughs> don't think about yeah. it too hard or you'll lose the ability to talk. But uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but no, but, but that is uh, an interesting psych psychological phenomenon is, is that, yeah, our our brains are very often preemptively making those decisions before we are aware of those decisions being made. And that's kind of cool. And um. The, the other ones with the older students, maybe I'm playing a little bit less games, but uh, I'm asking them more questions or having them ask me questions. And I'm always, uh, you know, they're, they're not native English speakers. It takes them five second delay. And I'm like usually guessing what the response is going to be. And 80% mm -hmm. of the time I'm correct. That That's more experience, of course. But, you know, yeah, and right, some, right, right, some right. students that aren't so imaginative, but <laughs> <laughs> like I just know what they're going to say, but it feels psychic. <laughs> right, right. Uh, once or twice, I did answer the question before they they asked it, but that's probably because they asked it the previous week, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, true. So, uh, but you you mentioned your cards in, in grade school. I'm I'm curious if I'm just crazy or if you do any of those uh, sort of just little 
tests on your own in everyday life? <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't think that I have, but you know, now now you've got me intrigued with this app, so I might have to uh, I might have to give that a shot. It's a perfect you know? elevator app. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I rarely play games on my phone anymore, but I uh, something like that, that might actually, uh, th- that might be kind of stimulating. I might give that yeah. a shot. Oh, yeah. It only kills a minute of your time. After two two sets of trials, you're you're usually probably finished for the time being. But <laughs> Right, right, exactly. Yeah. It, it, is, it is interesting that part of the conceit of that program is the nice picture will maybe sharpen your ability to want to see more nice pictures. So you'll, your ESP will kick in and you'll, you'll hit the correct one because you, you know, you want it. It's like the, the Pavlovian dog thing, right? True. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, I, well, I, I was about to say I'm way off topic, but I guess I'm pretty much dead on topic except for the, the mushroom part. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, how soon after this episode, did you know the scientific community and uh, just uh, the public at large realize like oh these mushrooms they get you high <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what's going on here you know <laughs> um I, i'm curious how because according to the show we take the show uh at its word and being serious to say that this thing only got discovered what weeks ago like it, it is so new and they're Not on by top the villagers <laughs> yeah right right the villagers knew right uh but by the outside world um so if we take them at their word okay they they're there to legitimately investigate this thing but I, I, what is it weeks months years after that that uh the rest of the scientific community just was like no 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 they, they, this is just uh another way for people to get high and that's fine People, human beings will find all sorts of ways to get high, but that's what's going on here. I, I'm just bringing up. Okay. Uh, actually, uh, I was just looking up Carlos Castaneda's The Teachings of Don Juan is uh, not until 1968. So this is actually way ahead of that. I, I thought that book came out in 62 where uh, Castaneda, the, the, his controversy is he went down, uh, did just like John Newland said, I'm doing anthropology, but kind of made stuff up, you know? Right, right, right. Like Don Juan is probably not a real person. I mean, he might he might have seen things, gotten things, and just kind of collated it into this experience. It is a fun read, especially if you read it as like weird 60s science fiction, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's also why I read the Zachariah Stitchin books um, with, with Nibiru and stuff, because it reads as great science fiction. <laughs> Right, <laughs> rapturing, you know. Um, right, not right. not really into the uh, the the whole. Ana- well, I am into the Anunnaki idea, just not as a real thing, but as a as a Stargate concept. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ha- have you heard of a uh, speaking of which? Uh, while we're on psychic stuff, have you heard of a uh, Project Stargate? No, I don't know anything about it. What is that? Okay, uh, uh, this is this on another spinoff series, is it? <laughs> no, no. Stargate no. Atlantis, Stargate Universe, Project Stargate. I think this predates the TV show, or maybe they named it after. I don't remember, but it's um supposed to be one of those CIA things. Uh, a little less insidious than some of the other ones, but uh, the idea was they would have remote viewers. So in the Cold War, they, okay, yeah, yeah. Guys, like, if you can remote view we want you to let's say remote view into the kremlin and see what's there we want you to right remote right. view to mars and see what's there that our probes can't catch okay you know, so I, I 
I didn't know that was the name of that, but yes, that that's what I was thinking of when uh, or earlier in the in the discussion, thinking about like like this being an area of study. Uh, I'm gonna guess that it uh, it, it didn't actually work out. I don't know the Cold War ended. <laughs> so that, that's it. That's all the proof we need, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing wrong yeah. with confirmation bias. <laughs> um, although it's not. The best CIA project name, which I just like to say as often as possible, is Operation Midnight Climax, where they would mm. wow. give, All right. um, in a, a Nevada brothel, they would dose the, well, I think they'd send people they wanted to get dirt on and, and yeah, just yeah, yeah. do experiment to dose businessmen with LSD and, you know, watch, see what goes on from behind a uh, two-way mirror. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, oh, best, uh, best, best name ever. Operation Midnight Climax. That's hey, just fantastic. That's my great favorite. work if you can get it. <laughs> Do you want to toss out any other observations on on this documentary or or riff off of it as I have been? No, I mean, I, I think we hit all the major points because it, it's really this thing told in two halves. You know, the, the first half being the trip to Mexico and then what they film in this village and getting some of the uh, immediate reactions while they're there. Um, and then coming back to the controlled study environment. And it, it is like, look, for the pretense of TV and the pretense of the kind of story that they're trying to tell, I feel like you kind of have to land at this place at the end where they leave the audience with this question in their mind, like, whoa, his scores got better at the end. Maybe there's something to this drug. Like you have to leave the show like that. Um, and as I mentioned before, they do give you at least a little taste of this being a scientific quote unquote study that they're doing, at least a controlled study. Um, but at the end of the day, it it really isn't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, there are holes in that. Uh, but I think this show, it, it very effectively does what it sets out to do. It very effectively does this thing of like taking you to an exotic location, introducing this very wild concept uh, for a suburban TV audience, and then leaves them wondering at the end, like, whoa, are we seeing the next step in some, you know, incredible mental breakthrough because of this magical uh, fungus that grows somewhere in Mexico? Like, I, I think that all makes for very good TV, even though this is kind of low budget TV, a little square, a little dry, but that's all right. And, and I just, and I love still, I cannot get over how interesting this is that it comes out in 1961 this is it's before everything it's before the beatles it's before drug culture just works its way into popular music and tv it's damn it it's before sid and marty croft it's before Ooh. people could sit there and just you know watch drugs without drugs on their tv screen by by tuning into any of their shows no, I was on a podcast yesterday, um, and I brought up Lidsville, and and my and the other two on the podcast were like, like, no, you're making that up. That's not real. I was like, look it up. It's real. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing. Uh, that that being my favorite Cinemarty Croft intro, because uh, that that's the thing. Do you sit down and just watch the intros to all the shows, and you're probably good. 
<laughs> yeah, right, right. Or time travel back to the world of Cinemarty Croft, which is now CNN. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's some fun. Uh, the author, as mentioned earlier, is Dr. Dean Radin. Uh, he's written books such as Entangled Minds and Real Magic. But uh, he, he has worked at University of Edinburgh, University of Nevada. Uh, and you know what? A few years ago when I used to do the uh, oral hygiene podcast, I, I actually talked to um, the spirit molecule guy, AMT. Strasburg? It's, or am I thinking of a... Uh, hold on, let me find his name and make sure I got it right. Strassman. Rick Strassman, yeah. I, I did an interview with him where uh, I think in the about 20, 30 years ago, he did controlled DMT studies at um, uh, in his university of New Mexico, Arizona, something like that. It's been a few years since huh. I did the interview, but... Uh, and, and he never did it himself. He was trying to keep it as clinical as possible and just, re, you know, report what kind of experiences they were having. He wasn't looking for right. psychic powers in that case. But, uh, yeah. And just, you know, yes. the, the consistencies of what these people would come back and, and tell him. So, right, right, right. So that was pretty. Yeah, that's there's a documentary on that. There's a book on that. Um, and hey, I did an interview with him. If you go back to the, the oral hygiene uh, archives. <laughs> yeah, cool. Very cool. So it is interesting. You know. I, I, it's interesting what you can become fascinated with without necessarily buying into. Yeah, right, right. No, exactly. Yeah, um, I, I am not a, uh, I'm not a heavy user of psychedelic drugs, <laughs> and um, I am also uh, not one who really gives a lot of credence to claims of ESP or psychic powers. But I think this show was fascinating. And then and then you uh, sent me a link to Roger Corman's The Trip, which I think is the very clear and logical kind of other end of the spectrum of a show like this. Because then it's 1967. Then it's just like uh, a lot of people who have figured out how to get high. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that is the only thing they're looking for. They they don't uh, they've completely dropped the pretense of uh, looking for ESP powers. Um, and that's just like a crazy psychedelic trip of a movie. And I love it. A little more of a Corman thing, because Corman, uh, as we were talking before, is a, a pretty, you know, like mild mannered seem mm -hmm. seemingly straight faced fellow. Uh, yep. He did. He did his research for the trip. So. <laughs> Yeah, I read that, that he actually did, that everybody did, of course, you know. Except for Bruce Stern. Who yeah, yeah, not, is... not hard to believe that Peter Fonda and, um, uh, oh, uh, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. They were like, we're doing this for research. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, write that off on the film's budget, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, Roger Corman did as well. And I think that's great. It actually blows my mind how much of a teetotaler Bruce Stern supposedly is was whatever because he was totally in that scene you know but he yeah, just like, no, yeah, it's not yeah. for me so yeah you know in japan uh, things are very illegal in japan so i got my mind machine i had no meditation techniques i have my own experiences like the one thing where newland maybe missed the point was looking for these psychic abilities because even if it's all in your head in your head's an experience right <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah exactly so if i have profound spiritual things through meditation or 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 mind machine or even through the magic mushroom i mean 
how how much does that actually apply but how much does it apply to my mental state completely you know i had the experience right, right. it was it's now part of my life that sort of thing so right um, right preaching about it, i guess is is the problem just oh no uh one thing i think living in japan has really kind of helped me with is you really don't share your opinion unless you need to <laughs> oh interesting I mean, how much could Americans use that these days? <laughs> wow. <laughs> because in Japan, people do not want to have conflict. They don't even want to disagree with each other about an opinion, right? So yeah, yeah, on, yeah. On, the, on the downside, that means the same political party has basically been in power since 1945, except for maybe three years somewhere in there. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so there's a downside to it, too. There's no political discourse, right? Uh, the, Interesting. The head, the headline news uh, yesterday was Prime Minister um, Kishida has five women on his 19-person cabinet for a record. It's like, yeah, that's wow. not a great stat, man. <laughs> and that's wow. that's the record in Japan. Yeah, and I, I looked at the ages, and uh, one one of the ladies is 44. There's a couple people in their 50s. Everyone else is, you know, 65 and up. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And in Japan, there's a, there's the Oji-san, even older leaders. They've retired from have from actual office, but they still are respected. They still wield the power. So the elder statesmen in Japan are actually calling the shot still. Hmm. Damn. So wait. So where where is the appropriate place for dissent and discourse then? That's why I'm getting at. <laughs> like, okay. If, okay. If no okay. one wants to share an opinion, and yeah. Japan Inc. and the government is that solidified in their ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things change very slowly in Japan. So. Wow. Wow. But I mean, again, things have been changing very quickly in America. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows Holy what the cow. correct place is? Uh, this one's going to be weird. I rephrased my questions a little bit for one step beyond, and now we have one step beyond that's completely out of format. So uh, who in this episode took the step beyond? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's, I, again, all respect to John Newland. He puts himself out there and, like, he takes this as yet untested drug <laughs> twice because they do it in the village and then he comes back and does it at his office. Um, and he absolutely puts his money where his mouth is he he uh he throws himself into the experiment i good on him like i wouldn't always recommend that <laughs> you know uh but good for him he he took that step he took that step twice yeah two steps beyond yeah he did <laughs> so uh yeah i mean there's really no one else in this episode to bring up because he's mm -hmm you know the narrator the whole time he's doing it so yeah well and, and there's a, the other guys who go on that initial trip uh to the the village with him and you know they cut to the natural sound and the, the guy's laughing and like there, there's you know the, those guys are high as hell too but you know, yeah 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 oh they uh, took yeah. they took the one step beyond not the two steps beyond so. yeah, exactly exactly and we, we don't get a whole lot of detail after that about them and then yeah it is fun to watch guys psychedelically tripping in full 50s style with you know the horn-rimmed glasses and flannels and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah right that's good um the question i usually ask second is do they deserve their experience um he's asking for it he's making a show on it he's doing it as hard as he can so i don't know yeah, if this is yeah. even a question in this case unless you want to comment <laughs> no <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, then let's go straight to the tripometer. Zero is not yeah. trippy. Five is extremely trippy. Uh, where do you want to put this one? Well, I, so that's a weird thing. Like, this is not trippy in the way that, you know, the Twilight Zone wants to mess with your head or one of the stories that's a little more like supernatural um like like a, a supernatural mystery that the show is trying to investigate it's not trippy in that respect in fact it is very straight laced it's very square it's just like here's this thing we're going to test it out we're going to see if we can test it again and get some interesting results about esp so it's a trippy idea but they handle it in such a just straightforward clinical way. I, I think this is like a two because as an audience member, I don't come away from it going, wow, they just blew my mind. I come away from it going like, oh, this is an interesting preliminary bit of research into a drug that they don't understand, which is cool. I'm going to go all the way to five and I'm going to use actually oh. um, one, one of one of your your podcast co-host point to make that five which uh okay i uh, i can i can segue this into into your, your plug if you want but uh earl green on last week's genealogy was talking about how the context of a television show is important what was in the news that week yeah what, yeah. what aired on that station before and after what was on the other stations this yeah. is the weirdest bit of tv you know before <laughs> before um uh, before seventies variety specials, you know, so <laughs> it, it is, it is, but it, you, you know, it, again, the, this is like, it is weird and daring that they actually go there and they take this drug that they don't understand and they want to see what it'll do. That, that is weird and trippy. And I agree with that. That's like a 10 out of five, just the fact that they would do it because nothing else like that is happening, but they do it in such a way that is so like you know they're, they're not trying to scare the audience this isn't like watching a late 60s early 70s uh you, you know uh educational movie about how you should be afraid of all drugs it's not like a 1930s reefer madness or anything like that it, it is just so straight laced that um i I, I don't know. I, I, I want to get into the heads of the production staff of when they decided to make this show and when they actually took these drugs. Like, did they get it? And did they just go like, wow, we all got super high. How are we going to package this for TV? <laughs> you know, <laughs> do, or, it again. <laughs> yeah, do it again. <laughs> um, or did they all were they all sort of buying their own hype? Like, Oh no 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 no! The, the, this isn't recreational. This isn't a drug. The, this is something that truly will unlock the potential of the human mind. Like, were they buying that from their own narrative? I, I would love to know. That's one of the things that trips me out. Trips me out for the tripometer is uh they, they don't even <laughs> have the vocabulary to talk about it in 1960, right? That hasn't, yeah, like yeah. I said, hasn't entered the vernacular yet. And and again, the context, it's like. So you're going to watch this and now here's the beaver, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. 
So when you place it in context, it's like, what is this doing there? That's so weird. Where it's a regular episode of One Step Beyond or a Twilight Zone. It's like, yeah, that was pretty weird, but it's narrative TV. It fits in. And this is like, and in the context of the show, it's like, whoa, whoa, we're doing this this week? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, because of the context, I'm willing to to bump, to actually go, yeah, to my to my highest tripometer rating. Nice, but, uh, nice. Yeah. I love it. Um. Anyway, like, like I said, I guess I guess we could segue. I just mentioned genealogy. If you want to tell the folks about that and some other mission log stuff, yeah, very well done. You're you're a pro like that. Um, yeah. So mission log, the regular mission log, where we uh, discuss episode by episode every Star Trek ever made. That is on hiatus at the moment because we are standing in solidarity with the SAG and WGA uh, creatives who are on strike. And in the meantime, we are filling in with a show that is fascinating, I think. As of this recording that you and I are doing, our very first regular episode will go out tomorrow. And that is covering the first script sale that Gene Roddenberry made professionally to television. Um, He wrote just, you know, a bunch of dramatic like cop shows. And this is Mr. District Attorney. Uh, he wrote six of those. The first one of our discussion drops tomorrow. And it's so cool. You get to go back to the beginning of his career. We're able to do this because these are shows that are not readily available on streaming or a home video purchase. So very much like you pivoting and doing some different stuff during the uh, the strike. That's what we're doing. And I hope everybody listens to it. It's in the regular Mission Log feed. So missionlogpodcast.com or go to your podcatcher of choice and just type in mission log and you'll get it. It'll show up for you. And then when the regular mission log comes back, we'll move this over to its own feed and it is gene hyphen ology. So G E N E hyphen ology. Um, and I love what Earl and Norman have been doing. Uh, like you said, just putting it all into context, like what else was on TV? What was in the news? Why are we talking about, early 1950s TV writing and what does that reveal about Gene Roddenberry's career later on all right as for this one it's time enough podcast and yeah we're doing the one step beyond uh for for the reasons you just mentioned and we will return to the Twilight Zone uh before too long with the added context of this show I, th- I think probably making our look into the Twilight Zone a little stronger when we get back to it so nice uh, yeah Support us on Patreon at Podcastio Podcastius, where we also talk about the top 100 and bottom 100 movies on IMDb at Films and Filth. Though at the moment, we're also uh, going off the track and talking about weird stuff. And October is going to get even weirder with uh, non-Hollywood horror films. So Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, here's a call at Disney where we talk about the weird side Disney. And oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, just premiering on, on my side is... Uh, podcast 1999 where you've already been on the third episode black sun which we recorded some yeah. time ago, but uh yeah the, the first episode of that just dropped so um yeah happy breakaway day september 13th right yeah. on it's actually the 14th here now sorry but oh that's right you're in the future i forgot <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i'm getting i'm getting that episode you mentioned today i was confused for a second <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh yeah we're getting into that um i'm already slightly slightly regretting impressed by my theme song uh that's what happens when you come home after a drinking party and make your your put together your your podcast stuff nice so. <laughs> yeah yeah i hear you okay 
off off on a trip with the the sacred mushroom right into the sky man <laughs> like all shaman they went back to the sky 